Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey there, this is episode 193. Whoa. (laughs) I am Andy Last. Welcome to Beyond Synth, uh, episode 193, apparently. I think I better start planning what I'm going to do for the 200th, because I do not have a plan. On the show today is Electric Dragon, and we'll be talking to him in just a bit. But before then, we'll be listening to some cool music. Now that we've been doing the Beyond Synth High Five on Fridays, where Marco and Neon Fox pick out songs to play, and since last week's Beyond Synth was all tracks voted on by the Beyond Synth listeners, I feel like I haven't picked any tracks in a while. So, any while? I feel like I haven't picked any tracks in a while. And so uh, today I got some cool tracks for you. I hope you dig. So let's listen to one right now. Get this thing started. And before we do that, I would just like to acknowledge some uh, Patreon activity. That's right. We got a new donor here, Chris Mendes. Is that how you say your last name? Is it Mendes? Is it Mendy? It's Mendes, right? M-E-N-D-I-S. Anyways, man, thank you for supporting Beyond Synth. And, as has become a weekly tradition, Jimpy has upgraded his support. You're a cool guy, Jimpy. A cool, cool guy. And Gus Velichek has upgraded his support. Thanks, man. I'm so, uh, I am very grateful to have so many generous Beyond Synth listeners. When I was, uh, doing the Ozone Late Night podcast, Joe's podcast, which I think he posted episode two last week, and we were talking about Patreon, and I was talking about how generous my patrons are. Well, look, how about this? Let's listen to a song first. Uh, This is a cool song that I really like. It's by Von Kaiser. It's actually not out yet, so I guess this is technically a debut, and I'm doing this specifically so I can beat Julian to it. (laughs) So fuck you, Julian! (laughs) Because I know he was like, hey, did you hear that Von Kaiser album when I was hanging out with him? And I was like, yeah, but it doesn't come out for another few months because they sent me a pre-release and I'm usually really bad with this stuff. I'm very disorganized. Anyways, look, you don't care about this. You just care about music. So let's listen to this track. This is Jetpacks by Von Kaiser.
seen it all Brightly lit future with flying cars And we'd all be superstars Energy is endlessly Entertaining us violently Commercials play on TV
And that was Jetpacks by Von Kaiser from the album Landline, which is coming out soon, I think. This episode should be dropping uh, April 29th. Hopefully, I'm literally recording it right now on the 29th, so I'm hoping I get it done and released today. And I think the album comes out in May. (laughs) This is where my promotional skills fall apart. Uh, Anyway, look, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the King of the Pattersons, Chris Dance. And with the 6969, William Stewart. And with the 6659, Jose Arbello. All cool people. And you can go check out uh, Joe Ozone's podcast. Just It's called Ozone Late Night. I don't remember the damn address, but it, you know if you just type in Ozone Late Night into your podcast thing. and because I We did two weeks. I don't even think I've listened to the second part yet. I feel like part two was Joe explaining the plot of Metal Gear to me. But I was basically saying, you know, I was comparing the Beyond Synth patrons to uh, a friend of mine who also has uh, a Patreon, and he's a pretty popular web cartoonist. He's got, like, hundreds of thousands of followers on, like, Instagram and stuff. And, And what I noticed was he's got way more patrons than I have, but the ratio of how much people donate is very different, and so we almost have the same donation amount. So what that basically means is that even though I have, I think, like one-fifth of the patrons he has, the Beyond Synth patrons are just so generous. Like, you guys are really generous, and it's amazing. That's that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> just that, thank you, because obviously that's what helps keep this show going. Now, I have some events to remind people of as well this week, but how about we listen to some more music? And also, before I chat with Electric Dragon, just to let you know, I will also be debuting an Electric Dragon track. Uh, obviously, we recorded the interview a little while ago, and so we didn't talk about it, but he released some music. I think there's some new stuff coming out, and so we're going to debut a track of his before we go to the interview as well. So lots of uh, exciting stuff. So let's listen to this track. This is by Allison, which is A.L.I.S.O.N. So it's like an acronym, stands for something. I don't know what it stands for. From the album Lost Singles, this is the track Polymoon.
And that was Polly Moon by Allison from the album Lost Singles. And that was uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Jacob Wick with the 4488 and City Hunter with the 42. I don't know why I always have the urge to say 42. <laughs> 42? I don't know where that comes from. I think uh, some sort of mental problem. (laughs) And uh, what the hell? Uh, Lucas Ceballos, you're a cool guy, man. Thanks for supporting Beyond Synth. Listen, if you fools are in the Toronto area, there's a few things happening. I think I'll go to, what, Dundas Video this Wednesday night? When uh, Radio Wolf does a little DJ set, it's a tiny little bar, Dundas Video, they have video games and stuff, and uh, I think the first of every month he does a little DJ set thing, and we just go there and play video games and stuff, so come out, I'll be there playing some video games. I mean, they have Goldeneye there, and whenever I go, I usually do play like some Goldeneye, but to be honest with you, I think their controllers are a little fucked, but uh, what can you expect? I was always thinking about that, if I opened up an arcade bar, that would be cool, but the controllers would get fucked so quick because you can't trust the fucking riffraff that come in off the street and like start handling your video game controllers that's the one problem and i imagine all video game bars go through this where it's like you want to supply video games for customers and it's really cool but then they have their fucking gross greasy hands on the controllers all night and they're not going to respect them like i wonder if controllers even last one night like if you open up a video game bar and have like super nintendo controllers and n64 controllers and stuff laying out do they even last a night Do those people have to replace their controllers like once a week? Like, is that an actual expense when you run a video game bar that you have to literally be constantly replacing your controllers because people keep breaking them? I should actually ask someone who runs an arcade bar because I think that's a that's a good question. I'm going to write that down. Remind myself. Uh, Look, let's listen to another song. I got a request here from Honeybeard, and uh, he actually has a show coming up. Uh, or they, I should say. Honeybeard is more than one person. Um, They're going to be playing with Mecha Mako. I'll tell you about that after the track. Honeybeard wants to play, or wants me to play a song by the Goondock Saint. Now, he thinks the song is too long. It was called Return from the Upside Down. But when I went and picked up the album on Bandcamp, uh, Strangler in Paradise, the only option was the radio edit, and it's not too long at all. It's 3 minutes and 44 seconds. So maybe there's an extended version out there. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, But anyway, we're going to listen to it. This was uh, requested by Honeybeard, a Beyond Synth patron and talented band who I will be going to see play this week. And this is also brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Clint Dowling, Hugh Hefner, and Eric Dahlberg. And this is the Goondock Saint with the track Return from the Upside Down the radio edit.
And that was Return from the Upside Down, the radio edit by the Goondock Saint from the album Strangler in Paradise. And remember, you can check out all the artists I feature on the show by going to the More Info section if you're on SoundCloud listening to this show, or if you're on YouTube, the eight people that listen on YouTube. It's amazing how... (laughs) How much work it actually is to re-upload all the shows on YouTube because it's a different format. Like, I don't just put the MP3 on YouTube. Like, it really, it, I have to make, like, an MP4 with different artwork because, it, you know, the iTunes artwork is differently formatted than the widescreen YouTube dimensions. And so I actually make alternate artwork. It's the same picture, but, it like, you know, the words have to be in a different location and stuff. And I do all this stuff and literally, like, eight people listen on YouTube. <laughs> It's like a day Every time I upload Like I do it in chunks Of usually like Three or four months Of episodes And it's a day of work Like it's a whole day Of just rendering out things Uploading things Uh, It's ridiculous But I hope those Eight people enjoy it Is what I'm trying to say And uh, look That was brought to you By my awesome Patreon supporters In the $25 club Mr. Tim Carlton Johnny Five And Emilio Astavez And that track of course Was uh, requested by Honeybeard And I should remind you Fool that there is a show this week at the Hard Luck Bar. This is in Toronto, by the way, on May the 3rd. So that is this Friday. So I think there may even be... Yeah, I might remind you guys again with the high five on Friday, and that's at the Hard Luck Bar, which I've never been to before, and it's going to be Mecha Mako with Love Wizard and Honeybeard. Now, Love Wizard, I don't know. Honeybeard, I do. And Mecha Mako, of course, I do. And, uh... Weird sentence. <laughs> I guess I just married Mecha Mako. Um, yeah, so you're all they're all good, uh, good stuff. And so I'm going to be checking that out as well. And you should, too. It looks like there's a lot of people going, actually, from the synth scene. I'm looking at the Facebook page right now. 29 going, 50 interested. So who knows? If you go out there, you might be able to see... Uh, well, it looks like Dana Jean's going, and Holly Parallels is going, and Neon Fox is going to be there. And look at that. There's a... <laughs> It'll be a veritable who's who. Uh, So that should be uh, an entertaining show. So don't forget that. That's on Friday, May the 3rd. The event's on Facebook. You can check that out. So there's two things I got to go to this week. Pardon me? Wipe your face. You have to wipe your face? Yeah. Why? Are you covered in chocolate? Yeah. I'm busy. I'm recording a show. Yeah. You want to sing? Yeah. Okay. Sing. 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 What's your song you know? Sing a song. Sing Frozen. 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 Okay, what's the Frozen song? Frozen song. Gibberish. Okay, get out of here. You know, <laughs> if you're going to say gibberish. Say bye. Bye. Say next time I'll sing a song. Bye bye. Say song. Bye bye. Okay. All right, see you later. <laughs> It's the first time I put the earphones on her head, so she's gotten all confused. She's experiencing sound. So how about we experience some sound ourselves by listening to some cool music? Uh, This is Maximum Love from the Vision EP, and this track is Tonight is the Night. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Pattern Shift, Kemsen, and Kendra and Joey. (laughs) I flipped it. Not that that makes much of a difference, but uh, look, I appreciate your support. You guys are all awesome. So here is Maximum Love with Tonight is the Night. 
And that was Tonight is the Night by Maximum Love from the Vision EP. And, uh, what? What? You gotta. <laughs> okay. Okay, hold on. I gotta. <laughs> we gotta. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay. Give me a sec. I gotta. <laughs> what a professional show I'm running today. All right. So, what else is uh, going on this week? I'm all caught up. I watched Avengers on the weekend. I watched the big episode of Game of Thrones last night. I bought Mortal Kombat 11. I had to trade in a bunch of games. <laughs> the key to happiness, I believe, is you got to live below your means. So I always find myself trading shit in. And I don't think I have... I don't have a physical copy of a game to trade in now. I traded in everything. It's done. <laughs> and I bought the digital version of the game. There's actually a really funny sort of controversy happening right now with Mortal Kombat, and I find it interesting. I'm obviously not going to talk about Game of Thrones or Avengers. I will say about Avengers, no spoilers, I think I had a slightly different reaction to it than most people had. I see a lot of people just giving it really high praise, and I think it was an entertaining film, but I didn't love it. I think Infinity War was better. I think Infinity War was a lot better. It's still not a bad movie, like it was still an entertaining film. Definitely go see it if you want that sort of closure. But I had issues, which maybe I'll discuss in a few months when spoilers no longer matter. Uh, To be honest with you, my issues aren't to do with character fates. I I know there's a lot of people who complain about uh, spoilers in terms of like what characters die and stuff. That's not really the issue. I have an issue with the plot of the film and the structure of it, I guess. But anyway, uh, but look, it's fine. Go go see it. It's fine. I mean, not that you need... <laughs> do you need me to tell you to go see the biggest movie in the world? Like, <laughs> ah, but is it, well, Andy said to go see it, so maybe I'll check out this Avengers? Um, but yeah, Mortal Kombat uh, has a funny one because people are sort of... Comp- they think that the company has been bowing to the social justice crowd by covering up the women because you know in uh, especially in Mortal Kombat 9 the characters had very very revealing outfits the female characters but in this case I think the people are wrong to have a problem because ultimately the character models themselves look better in the new game and I think the faces look a lot better so it's really weird it's like there's people complaining that the women aren't wearing like skimpy bikinis but in my opinion their faces look better but then it's weird to even talk about the attractiveness of a CGI character model like that's really weird like it's just <laughs> it's it's an odd topic because I've seen lots of videos of uh, angry beard guys complaining that this is some form of censorship and to be honest with you and as a fan of Mortal Kombat I mean I've purchased all the games I've kind of always found the weird juxtaposition of hyper female sexuality and extreme violence to be kind of weird to be honest with you so I have no problem with them putting the women in like cool looking costumes like I'm not a prude I don't care like when I see video games with like hyper sexualized women it doesn't offend me like I'm a man like why would I be offended by seeing sexy ladies like that's not something that bothers me but in the context of Mortal Kombat it's always been kind of weird I suppose just that when you're like fighting with two chicks with like bikinis and then like the end of the match one of them gets ripped in half like it's just It's an odd pairing, but (laughs) maybe that's just me. But if I'm going to go full nerd beard and talk about the attractiveness of 
computer graphic characters, uh, in my humble opinion, I think the actual faces of the female characters in this game are more attractive than the faces in the previous games. So if we're just going to talk on like whether or not the, the female characters look better, I think they are more attractive looking females. It's just that they're not dressed like whores. Like, they're actually wearing, like, body armor and stuff, which, again, I it's a weird thing for people to have a problem with, kind of in, on either side of this issue. It's, like, it's strange. Uh, at the end of the day, it is a fighting game, and at the end of the day, these are computer graphic characters. Look, I know that's a thing people like. It's not my thing, um, but I'm not going to cast any shade because it takes all sorts to make a village, if you know what I mean. And some of those people in your village are going to be uh, <laughs> beaten off to anime. <laughs> So, you got to respect everybody. Or do you? No, everyone should be treated with dignity. I don't know that you necessarily have to respect everybody. Respect must be earned. All right, look, what am I talking about? Let's listen to some... <laughs> Let's listen to some music. Here's a cool track by Red Marker. This is a cool one. Uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club. Martin Larby, Gregorio Franco, Blake Peterson, and Mike Shima. And this song is called DMC 12 Gauge by Red Marker.
And that was Red Marker with the track DMC 12 Gauge. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Rachel Buchelman, Murat, Hampus ML, Kenjaru, Chatterack, Mads Baron Christensen, Jimpy, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Salia Lane. So, we're going to talk to Electric Dragon very soon. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I need to say before I go to that conversation. No, I think we're good. Uh, look, we're going to go chat with Electric Dragon, but first we're going to debut a song, and then we'll go uh, to the interview. So we'll listen to the song, and then when the song is done, I'll be chatting with Electric Dragon, which is cool. So this song is from an upcoming album by Electric Dragon. It's called Sword Maiden Kitsune. That's how you say that, right? Anyway, it's kind of a, a neat new sound for Electric Dragon. I think this song is cool, and you should dig it. So here is Electric Dragon, and then when uh, when it's done, I'll be chatting with him. So here it is. This is Sword Maiden Kitsune.
Well, I'm here with Electric Dragon. How's it going, dude? Oh, good, man. How are you? Uh, I am doing okay. I didn't get enough sleep, and I think I'm getting a cold. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of sleep either, if that's any consolation. (laughs) It is. Gaming for too late into the night, I think. What were you playing? I'm ashamed to admit I was playing Anthem. Okay, so what is Anthem? I don't even know what it is. I see people advertising it all the time. I don't think it knows what it is itself. Okay. I don't think Bioware knows what it is. It's a shoot 'em up that tries to be an action RPG, but not very hard. Is it single player or multiplayer? It's single player, and then you do a mission, and it's multiplayer. It's very strange, but I'm actually quite enjoying it. Wait, it's a Bioware game? It is a Bioware game, yeah, yeah. On the PS3, I loved the Mass Effect trilogy. Like, that was probably, like, one of my favorite experiences. Yeah, yeah. And it's so crazy how, like, they just fucking squashed that franchise with, like, one game. Yeah, yeah. Like, that that last one. Like, I played it for, like, ten minutes and was like, this, something's off about this fucking game. Like, everyone (laughs) looked weird. They were all, like, staring with these giant eyes and, like, it felt like, to me, the TV show like if mass effect was a movie trilogy like the original like mass effect uh, one two and three then that new one was like the tv show version of mass effect or something that's what it felt like it is pretty strange i mean the faces i mean how much ecstasy have those people taken yeah <laughs> <laughs> just going, it's just absolutely insane i don't know who's responsible for that but uh, my, my wife played so much of that andromeda she played it you know to death absolutely loved it but she'd never played the others she wasn't a gamer back then so i mean i guess they put themselves in a weird position because like it was building to such an epic thing at the end of that trilogy that to try and like start something new maybe it's just difficult it's like where do you go from here but i think also the characters weren't that cool because they'd already built up this cool cast of characters and i kind of just wanted to see what happened to them i want to see garrison shit again it is strange for me because i kind of missed so many games. I mean, when Resident Evil 3 first came out on the PS1, my PS1 died. It was just fucked. So I didn't actually end up getting another console until the sort of mid-PS3 era. Yeah. So I actually missed out on an awful lot of stuff. I've never really quite had the time to go back and fill in the gaps. So I've never played Mass Effect 2, 3, or 1 if it exists, but yeah, yeah. They're really good. They were great games. Like, the stories were cool. The characters were all cool. Especially Part 2. There was a lot of, like, all the people you end up, like, recruiting on your team. It's like a team of, like, 12 people or something. And the structure of Mass Effect 2 was there's basically one big mission you gotta go on and then the rest of the game is getting the crew. So all the missions are all about getting, like, a new member of the team and every person on the team seems to have some sort of 
daddy issue or something where you have to like there was a lot of the stories that involved their dads like people who's like <laughs> dad is missing or my dad turned into a bad guy or my dad doesn't respect what I do or whatever like it seemed like a lot of the storylines revolved around stuff like that but it was cool because they were all they were all neat characters part three was good and it had some moments that were really super epic and cinematic, um, but then it was sort of let down by an odd ending, yeah. which they tried to fix, but it, it was sort of too late just because, like, the game had built up to such a point. I understand the problem they had is, like, because the whole point of those games where you were basically choosing what direction to take the story and some decisions would actually change it and then you would carry those decisions on into the next game. So if somebody died in Mass Effect 1, their character was dead in Mass Effect 2 and then someone else would be there in their place and stuff. So if you really fuck one of them up, it's not worth buying the next one because you killed everybody, right? <laughs> well, no, because they'll, they'll still, like... They'll they'll substitute another like another person will show up and fill that character's <laughs> place, but it's a cool way of making you like the characters. Yeah. So they built this whole franchise on like all your decisions matter, and then at the very end of the game, they made you make this weird arbitrary choice that just felt like it was like why was everything building to this if you were just going to end it with like. Well, you've got door A, B, or C. Like, that's actually how it ended, where literally, like, some ethereal being makes you just make a choice. Like, without giving spoilers away, it was sort of like, it just ended with this, so, you can pick door A, and everybody in the universe dies, or you can pick door B, and all the spaceships explode, and you're just like, why are these the choices you're giving me? Like, it was just so weird. In a weird way, even though the game was built on all these sort of crazy choices, it would have been, I think, more satisfying if there was actually, like, an actual ending like a defined this is how the game ends because I think they could have directed it better and made it more it would mean more because everyone who played would have built to the same moment yeah yeah uh, some of the games are uh, some of my big favourites we're talking about endings pretty much almost non-existent (laughs) I get to the end of Dark Souls what happens at the end of that you can go and sit down in a room or walk out of a door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is my favourite game, but uh, yeah, the ending. Mm, yeah. I can't do it. I know people love their Dark Souls, man, but I'm one of those. Yeah. I'm too soft. Like, when a game is too hard, I just fucking shut down. I find so many other games harder. I mean, I think once you've got down the stamina management side of, of these, then you've got it, really. I was absolutely screaming at the TV when I first started playing it. Yeah. And a friend came around and he sat there for 10 minutes and he said, you got to do this, this, this means this and that means that. After that, off I went. I went through it and finished it without summoning any help in or anything, actually. It took me a while. So the secret is stamina management? Yeah, if you put your shield up. There's only so many times you can take a hit on it before you run out of stamina and then... So basically it's that. You've got stamina which will allow you to dodge, block or attack. Once that's run out, it's time to back off or just before it runs out, preferably. Once you've got that, yeah. I knew we'd talk about this because I don't talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this, man? We'll, uh, we're we're going to listen to some tracks. So we've obviously, we've played it, um, a bunch of Electric Dragon on the show before. And uh, you're also one of the Marco's favorites. He likes playing Electric Dragon tracks. Yeah. So we're going to we're gonna listen to some now and then we'll talk about it. So I think we played this one on the show before, but this one's cool. This is Burial Ground okay. by Electric Dragon.
And that was Burial Ground by Electric Dragon. And I'm here with Electric Dragon right now talking about Dark Souls. So you play a lot of games? Is that what you do? In my spare time, such as it is. After work, you know, downtime kind of thing. During the week. And then weekend is music time. Is it easy to carp... Comp- Why can't I say that word? Is it easy to comp... comp- Whoa! <laughs> Compose a sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it easy to compartmentalize? That you can actually just say, like, yeah, I just do music on weekends. Like, that's my music time. I think for me, is my day job is such that I get home on a night and I'm ugh, never in the mood. It's always the wrong state of mind. Apart from the odd time, I'll get an idea, I'll get home, I'll run upstairs, get the idea down. It's the only time I've got a nice bit of space to actually relax properly into it, really. And then, of course, you know, some weekends, you think, nah, nah. <laughs> so it's, it's mostly Saturdays, the odd day off work and things like that, the odd night. But I don't spend all of my time doing it, that's for sure. What, uh, what do you do? I work for... The government. Oh, shit! In IT, basically. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? It's uh, not exciting. I, I look after an education database for schools in this area. Okay. It's extremely dull. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm always curious that people always have these like kind of interesting tasks to perform. So that means what? Like kids' grades and things? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Especially make sure all the school's data connections, all, all the data's coming in, stuff like that. Attendance, you know, all that kind of thing. Okay. I can't believe you're making me talk about this. Well, no, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no, I always find this stuff interesting. Uh, no. What I always find interesting is just people's, like, musical personas versus what they do for a living, right? Because, obviously, mm, um, yeah. Electric Dragon is uh, some heavy stuff. You know, it's loud, Satan, things like this, <laughs> devil worship. I try to avoid the kind of uh, neon pentagrams, inverted crosses kind of thing, really. I guess it's all about horror because I love old horror stuff right especially old Italian horror stuff things like that um, mm. I Lucio Fulci Dario Argento Mario Bava all that stuff uh, they're all my favourite movies Suspiria being my number one favourite movie uh, I've not seen the remake but uh, I think that's the biggest influence for me really You've got several tracks that have, um, like, people talking about Satanism. You know, there's, like, the lady who's, like... Were, were those, like, taken from news clips? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did pick up some stuff from uh, sort of obscure, deeply buried documentaries on the internet and things like that. Mm. Usually Christian rants about this, that, and the other. It makes good sample material. Yeah. <laughs> those things are hilarious, man. Like, what they, what they allow their imaginations to get up to when they're thinking about what the Satanists are doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the best. Burn all your Jimi Hendrix LPs and shit like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you uh, start making music? Ah, well, that's a question. I did start messing around with electronic music back in about 94 on an Amiga 1200 running a software called Octomed. There will be people out there who know what that is. It really shitty uh, sample quality and four channels of audio. <laughs> mm. It's just something I got into doing. And then after that, of course, I was in uh, the band Fallen Fire, which was kind of a super group with various well-known-ish people in it and then me, just because I happen to live in the same town as one of them. <laughs> That's, uh, if you've heard of a band called Paradise Lost, uh, it's the guy Greg McIntosh from that band. He lives in the same town as me, and he started this band. We did uh, a bit of touring, festivals across Europe and all that for a few years. 
recorded an album with them and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it was basically all the sensible crap that got in the way, you know, day job and not having enough sort of free time, holidays, leave from work to be able to go and carry on with it to any degree. It was only meant to be sort of a one-off album and then there would be selected festivals across Europe playing with that and it sort of uh, blew up a little bit more than that so I ended up um, having to leave I didn't really want to do but it's sort of a a logistical thing meets a paying the bills kind of a thing it wasn't a money maker for me what was your function rhythm guitar is that what you still enjoy sitting around and strumming now is that a thing you do Ah, yeah, 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 sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a bit of guitar on some of my stuff, but I don't make it a prominent feature of it, really. I'm not doing the metal thing now. I don't feel so inclined to use guitar that much, really. Um, I think by far the most popular thing I've done is Covenant, that track. I'm not quite sure how many plays that's got now, but it's rather a lot, and it's a lot more than any of my other stuff. And that's the one with the big guitar riff on it and so forth. And strangely, I never went back and did anything like that again really apart from maybe one on the new album but you were never you never went like like a businessman <laughs> went over the the fucking numbers and go well the kids seem to like fucking this one yeah so. i can't really create like that that's not really how it works <laughs> <laughs> yeah this one will make money so yeah i was never really in it for that anyway to be quite honest but yeah no, i understand well how about this why, why don't we listen to it so the audience knows what we're talking about okay okay this is covenant by Electric Dragon. It is approaching me. I seen fire, and I just seen two eyes that were fiery, and I knew it was a demon, and uh, they offered me a deal.
And that was Electric Dragon with the track Covenant. And I am here with Electric Dragon right now in the depths of hell. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's me jazzing this up. That was me doing a half-assed evil laugh. Oh, like, <laughs> like I love, I love when devilish villains laugh for no reason. Like, you know, just, just to show how evil they are. That's part of the job. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Just, you are welcome to stay. <laughs> You know, it's like, what's so funny, asshole? I always wonder if, like, they're actually laughing as an actual person or if it's just an act just to show, like, I enjoy evil. That's reminded me of the old uh, Impossible Mission oh, yeah. on, the, on the Commodore 64. And that was one of the first to have actual speech on it. And uh, I remember being absolutely blown away when I heard actual speech coming out of a computer game. That's how fucking old I am. That has some of my favorite voice samples of all time. The Scream is my favorite yeah. Scream. I love that Scream. I've played it many times on the show. Yeah. It's the funniest. <laughs> I used to play that. I never understood Impossible Mission when I was a kid. My brother had a Commodore, so I'm I'm born in 81. Uh, my brother had a Commodore maybe in like 1987 or something. Yeah. So I was young. I didn't, I had never beaten a game before. And when I played Impossible Mission, I didn't understand it. Like I didn't get the puzzle pieces. I didn't get what you were supposed to do with them. All I knew about that game was jump in the hole <laughs> and hear that fucking scream. And that's all I would do. <laughs> so all I would just play that game. I just jump in the first hole and just the. Ah! I fucking love that scream so much. <laughs> well, at least you're kind of taking something from it, yeah. <laughs> Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Fucking love it. Indeed. And Ghostbusters? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters! <laughs> he slimed me! <laughs> of course, there was, um, oh, it's the other classic, uh, Strider on the Mega Drive. There, there is the king of all evil laughs on there. <laughs> I don't think I ever played Strider. I've played the new one because it was like free on PlayStation Plus, but uh, I don't think I've ever played Strider before. Oh, it's an absolute classic. I've only ever played the Mega Drive version. I've never actually played the original arcade version of that. Well, you can now, man. Emulators, the sky's the limit. Yeah, yeah. So what was the video game evolution for you? Like, what was the first sort of console you owned? Yeah, I had a Commodore 64, and we got that in about... I think it was about 1983, 84. Uh, originally, it, my parents would say, this is for educational purposes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, my uncle actually bought me this uh, piece of software called the UltiSynth 64. And it was basically just a, a synth. Mm. It was really, really difficult to use. And it was all some kind of wavetable shit. And it was all these uh, key commands in a huge book. I never made a piece of music with it. I just used to sit like... <laughs> in my bedroom, you know. Just <laughs> when I was about 11 years old. Maybe that was the beginning. I don't know. But uh, yeah, game-wise, um, I think one of my early favourites would have been stuff like Whizball, um, Cauldron, Cauldron 2... My favorite thing about old games was when they were so new that they could just be called one word things. Like, I love the Atari generation just because there's games that are like tennis, adventure, football. Because that was it. Like, that was the baseball game. (laughs) Like, there isn't another baseball. There's just baseball. It's just the the fact that you could interact with something on your TV was just amazing at the time. I remember people having the Atari machines and playing Pitfall and Jungle Hunt and all that kind of stuff on it. I mean, one big thing about the Commodore 64 for me, uh, I discovered this guy 
Rob Hubbard he did absolute shit on a soundtracks on the 64 and I'm going to argue he was he was the king of music on there so people are going to start screaming Martin Galway or whatever at me whatever <laughs> Rob Hubbard for me was just absolutely the voices that he could get out of that machine were just amazing I used to actually buy games because he did the music and I would load them up and just leave it on the title screen playing that's what I used to do. Yeah, I, I've been uh, collecting video game music. There's this awesome site called Zofar's Domain. Okay. That guy just digitizes old video game soundtracks, and you can just go there and just download zip files of MP3s and stuff of video game music. All right. I've been grabbing lots of uh, Commodore 64 stuff. And I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of which ones are the, the Rob Harbor ones, because I, I mean, I've played a bunch on the show. So Commando. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Commando, Warhawk. Warhawk is an absolute killer, yeah, yeah. I did, I did a really shitty cover of that on guitar years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fucking awful. It was really out of tune. But I absolutely love that track. No, I love I love what the people were able to do on the Commodore. Like, I, there was games that I would play just for the music. Obviously, everyone had all the cracked discs and stuff, and so... I didn't really understand at the time yeah. what that really was, you know? Like, the more people I talk to now, especially people who are into the chiptune scene, who sort of shed more light on the whole crack disc phenomenon, because I, ne- I just thought, that's what you do with Commodore. You just copy games, and everyone just has these big bins of discs where they just handwrite in what's on the thing or whatever. And then, and of course, like... Uh clipping out one side of the disc so you could use both sides of the five and a quarter floppy. Do you remember doing that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I never understood how to do any of that stuff. It was just sort of like my brother knew an older dude and that was like the cool older guy who just had a <laughs> bucket full of Commodore discs and he'd take it home and they were like, oh, it's fucking, you know, hashtag dollar sign, whatever, eight. I forget how to fucking turn a game on, that stupid thing. But, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, man, I used to love Druid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Druid, the song in Druid. I never beat that game. Pretty much everything on Commodore, now that I think about it, was all about the music. Yeah, Because I, I just, I would put the games in, and then I would just, I, I even love the rendition of the Ghostbuster theme, like in the Ghostbuster game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Commando. I think Commando was probably my favorite. That and Druid were my favorite tunes, and Commando, the... Oh, it's just amazing, that, it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of my favourites was uh, Light Force. That was another Hubbard tune on there. I've actually done an Electric Dragon version of that. Light Force? I don't think I have. I'll go, I'll go check it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I did a did a version of it. I've not actually made it public anywhere. I was talking to Volker X a couple of years back, and we were looking at doing maybe an EP of Hubbard covers, and that was the <laughs> first. <laughs> I know it's a crazy idea. No, no, no! It's an awesome idea. I absolutely love it. So yeah, I made the first step, and there it sits, waiting to see if it'll happen. We'll see. The thing is, it's the alliteration of the word Hubbard covers <laughs> that it sounds like the album should be called like old. It has to be a play on words of old mother Hubbard. The, you know, like the the nursery rhyme. Like old old Hubbard the covers, Rob, Rob Hubbard uh, cover cupboard. Rob Hubbard covers like it's it sounds like Rob old mother Hubbard, Hubbard. Cover, cupboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. Let's uh, speak. Uh, I was. <laughs> All right, here's my say. Speaking of cupboards, let's listen to a song. <laughs> I want to listen to this one now, Legion Black. This might be my favorite song of yours. I really like Legion Black. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was, hey, that's strange, because that's, that's one of the, um, I think that's the last one I came up with for that album. 
and I nearly didn't include it. Sometimes I do that with artists where like I, I find some kind of track on the album that really sort of speaks to me and it's and it's like, oh, that's the one you like. And I don't know, man, uh, this one's awesome. This is Legion Black by Electric Dragon.
And that was Electric Dragon with the track Legion Black. And I am here right now with Electric Dragon talking about the Commodore 64. <laughs> and Mr. Hubbard. I always get confused because his name sounds like Elron Hubbard, the, <laughs> the Scientology guy. And so sometimes I... I say the wrong name. Not to be confused with that guy. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which has got the biggest cult following. Elron or Rob. I don't know if there's too much money in the uh, in Ro- Rob Hubbard's following. It's Rob. That's what gets fucked up in my head. Because then I want to call him Ron Hubbard, and I'm like, no, that's not right. I actually met Rob. There was a video game show in the UK I went to, and he was there as part of some documentary, I think it was called Bedrooms to Billions or something like that, and he was being interviewed on stage, and he was super shy, super quiet, nervous guy. I think he's from my part of the country as well, but anyway, I went up to him afterwards, and I, I knew he was there, so I took along my copies of Light Force, Monty on the Run, and something else. <laughs> Fucking Monty on the Run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Monty on that, the run. Did you ever play that? I just love the title. I never played it's it. It's got an absolute killer soundtrack, is that? It really is. And then, <laughs> it's just uh, such an awesome name for a game. Yeah, yeah, it's a real uh, old school platform, a bit like Manic Miner kind of a thing. Mm. But um, and there he was, and I went up and, uh, excuse me, um, Rob, and he looked at me real sheepishly. Oh, what do you want? You know. And I went over, and he was the most shy sort of. You would not know that he'd created all this amazing music. And I just said, I'm a huge fan of your stuff. And he looked so shocked that someone a knew who he was, b liked his music, and c would actually approach him to sign some old cassette games. Well, he's. I mean, he's still around, <laughs> so, isn't he? Sure, he is. I don't know what he's doing now, but he did work for EA for a time and he, I think he went over to the States worked for EA and then he thought fuck these guys and came back to the UK again I think that's what happened yeah because he's made so many cool tunes I wonder how to get hold of him maybe I should try and have him on the show I'd like to know actually because uh, I wouldn't mind permission to release <laughs> this remix I've done I've, I'm going to do a couple more actually though. I've got one half done of uh, Spellbound that was another one. Well, you can just do it. I like to ask. What's the word? Abandonware? Is that the name? It was more to do with the fact that we were going to release it as a specifically Robobud tribute thing. Right, so okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been nice to get some kind of endorsement or some kind of... Uh, Picture him in the corner giving a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, a little star with his face and a yeah. thumb up, real cheesy, <laughs> cheesy grin. <laughs> with, the, with the words, fuck yeah, underneath. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he made so many great tunes. I mean, they're ripe for the uh, for the covering. Mm. Although, I thought about this a long time ago. You know, sometimes I'll listen to old chiptune music, Commodore, Nintendo, or whatever, and I think, this would be cool. You know, the melody is so good that you imagine what it would be like if it was played by an orchestra or by a band, you know, using real instruments or modern synths and all this stuff. But then, after a while, I started to realize that it was also the sounds, too, that I liked. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you take away the character of it, yeah, then it becomes probably quite boring if you do that, I think. I mean, I was talking to you, like, uh, Master Boot Record about this, and there's these songs that they're almost like metal, you know, like you listen to these old songs, you can tell they're like heavily inspired by rock and roll metal and metal guitars and stuff but they're doing it with chiptune sounds yeah, yeah. they were really awesome at the time and I remember like some of these uh, 
video game tunes are like, these are so fucking badass and cool, and wouldn't it be so cool to hear, like, a metal band do this? And I've heard a few of them where, like, a metal band covers, like, a chiptune song that was sort of a metal song, but I kind of still like the chiptune one better because it's using all those weird chiptune noises, and for some reason that's that's part of it, too. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you compare that with AAA game franchises now, but just all of the standard, big, bombastic, orchestral soundtrack that fits just about anything and there's nothing really that individual about any of that I don't think really. I mean there are exceptions I mean like Skyrim I mean that guy <laughs> yeah no Jeremy Soul's great incredible I think my favorite is still from Oblivion yeah I love what's it called uh, it, it's the, the one where when night falls when you're outside mm. and it just plays that it's just such a great song like I, I put it on a CD of like lullabies for my kids <laughs> because it's such a say it's a beautiful piece of music you know like he makes these really nice almost like emotional songs yeah yeah um, which are cool because you're right AAA games it's almost the same as uh, the big blockbuster movies now yeah, yeah they have these scores that serve the function of this is an exciting scene this is a dramatic scene but when it's done, I have no need to go, I'd like to listen to that score, you know? And I've watched all the, you know, like the Marvel movies. It would probably be difficult if you played me just a piece of music and said, what Marvel movie is this from? You probably wouldn't even remember it, would you? No, like, unless it's <laughs> yeah. literally... I, I could probably identify the Avengers theme, obviously. And that's still just, like, three notes, you know, like... Nah, 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 you know, whatever, like, I could do that. And that's about it, really. When I think back to, like, Batman or, like, the, the Danny Elfman scores, every piece of music in the Batman score is recognizably Batman. Like, even when it's not doing the Batman theme, like, if you, if you listen to the actual soundtrack album, it's like, oh, this is from Batman. Like, it's just, they're very distinct pieces of music. And now I feel like it's all just, it's like they've gotten so good at making movies that there's like a formula to everything now like it's just yeah it's like cut and paste here's another one for you to devour and then feed the consumers yeah move on to the next one da 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 yeah I get really quite tired of all that really it's really refreshing when you get something like um, The Witch did you see that? no I haven't seen The Witch the soundtrack from that holy shit (laughs) it's just a lot of it's done with vocals and sort of choral stuff Mm. But the the atmosphere is just just really scary. I mean, it really is really unsettling stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. It's got a bit of old kind of almost medieval or old strings. I don't really quite know how you describe that. But a lot of the vocals in that is just absolutely bone chilling shit. Really, yeah. <laughs> absolutely incredible. I think that's the thing. I think that's what lifts a lot of that stuff up for me. I mean, if you play Dark Souls, there's always that big. Oh, great big choirs and all that real bombastic stuff. <laughs> and it kind of sounds like something really, really terrible is going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And it is. And I love all that. I sort of, you might notice, I put choirs on nearly everything I do these days. Yeah. I just can't help it. It's in the blood. I just have to do it. <laughs> I think, I guess it's, I guess it's my uh, signature thing to do, really, yeah. Creepy bells and choirs. Yeah, I love bells. That's a that's a thing I always enjoy. My big thing is just melodies. I, I like nice melodies, and that's what's sort of missing from a lot of the scores now that I... It can be missing from a lot of music in general, really. I mean, you, you listen to a lot of stuff, you know, just, this is where you, you don't want to sound like, oh, because I'm great at this or whatever, because I really don't think that. It's just a case of uh, interesting melodic, melodic structures... And that seems to be sort of binned off in favour of just being loud yeah. and production over actual musical content a lot of the time, I think. 
really he had a lot of stuff like that but I think uh, it only is something that you think I've, I never thought of doing that kind of chord sequence before that's that's great you know and I like stuff to surprise me a little rather than it just be it's some standard dark synth or whatever and it's just got all getting a bit too much for me to be honest I don't even really try to just be the loudest or hardest I'm really not about that at all I'm more about the melodic side of it to be honest and maybe trying to capture some of the old Fabio Freaksy scores and such as that that's more interesting to me for me personally that's always been my that my way into music is the melody for me it's cool bass lines and then a melody that I can sort of hum that sort of goes in and it there is sort of a science to some of it where like if someone hits the wrong note my brain will instantly like reject what's <laughs> happening like it's like that's yeah. why you know when people send me music like some of the stuff that I don't end up playing on the show is sometimes people just kind of do weird note combinations yeah yeah there's a lot of that goes on and you think why the fuck did you do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you spent all this time like your kick drum and your snare drum sound amazing and what the fuck is that melody you've just put on top of that? <laughs> what it does to me, it's almost like getting an electric shock or something. Like when I hear a note combination that's wrong, it's like someone just like blows like a staccato like trumpet sound into your ear or something. Mm. It's an instant rejection of what's happening. And it'll it'll put me off like the whole song. Sometimes it's a vocal. Sometimes someone will be singing and then their vocal note will be wrong with the note that's underneath their voice. And then the second it happens, it's just like, eh, yeah. it sounds like a fucking, like a default sound goes off in my head. I'm like, no, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? It breaks everything. Like, what I like is when I can just sort of get lost into a track and then I don't even, and then it's just over, you know? And I'm like, shit, like, I just listened to the whole, you know, like the song took me on a journey and I just sort of followed it through. And there's nothing that puts that to a stop more than when someone hits a fucking chord where one of the notes is wrong and just like, oh, it's like, ugh, it's awful. It can be funny. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be honest, you know, like, let's say if I've had a few beers and sometimes I'll, I'll put something on just because it's crap and okay, I'll play okay. something and say, listen to this and we'll just sit laughing, you know, but it becomes entertainment for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I have done that a few times. There was, there was this one band, uh, a friend of mine, we, he found this CD at like a fucking garage sale and it's like I think it was like a hippie husband and wife who sing songs about like anti-capitalism and it's as bad as you think it would be and it is amazing there are some songs on there that are so terrible and like clearly they must be married like the wife has the worst voice um, but she's always like singing on the song I mean I'm assuming it's the wife dude and the lyrics are so cheesy because they're written I mean this was like back in like they probably wrote this CD in like the late 90s or like early 2000s because that's when my buddy got it and it was what was it called it's called imagine rainbow warriors i think i have it digitized someplace and all the songs are like just the cheesiest lyrics written by some old hippies you know just stop it stop the system polluting the earth you know like and it's and she sings like that and it's fucking amazing (laughs) i got to stop it stop it shut it Water that we drink is full of poison. 
Oh, kind of like Yoko Ono bad kind of thing. Oh, no, it's fucking... No, it's worse because there's also, like, no production value, really. I always feel bad because, you know, with people like that, I'm like, I'm on your side. Like, I'm I'm with you, the sentiment of this album, but, like, you're delivering this message all wrong because there's nothing worse than just some cheesy hippie, like, writing horrible poetry about taking down the government or whatever. It just, it doesn't... It, it's always terrible. Even if I'm just like, hey, man, I'm with you on this, but fucking, what are you talking about? Like, this is awful. The warfare will not cease Till we do something about capitalism We shall be released from the laws and the chains of capitalism We gotta get up, we gotta kill the beast The beast is the system called capitalism Awful can be entertaining Yeah, I'll fucking write it again or, or it can just be bad, yeah I mean, I find it really difficult to listen to, you know some of my earlier stuff and that. to be honest I think a lot of film directors are the same like Dario Argento you know he's made my favourite movie but there's a guy who says I can't re-watch my own films all I see are, are the faults mm-hmm. I'm exactly the same and I think most artists probably would agree with that you listen back to your stuff you think oh, I wish I'd have done this I wish I'd have got rid of that symbol there it's really annoying yeah 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 <laughs> you know, I should have put a drum fill in that bit there I should have made that bass a bit far I should have made everything far I should have done this I should have done that coulda woulda shoulda is, you know if I do that is that just me thinking that <laughs> and you start thinking hmm overthinking it so just move on and make new stuff yeah well once the thing's out there and if it has a, an effect on people and you can't deny it right it's just like George Lucas fucking changing the Star Wars movies <sighs> you know maybe some of those things were like improvements but you can't affect that you know that was the movie that people watched that made them uh, get transported to this other world and now and yeah. now you're changing things and it's wrong yeah when I was a kid I was I used to be obsessed with Star Wars when I was a kid I remember 1983 when Return of the Jedi came out and went to the cinema to see it and everything I watch it now on a cringe all the Ewok stuff and all that, but still, at the time, I did love it. I was 10 years old, and I love the original trilogy, for better or worse, and just to be able to actually get an edition of it without all that new shite pasted onto it yeah. would be nice. Well, you yeah. can. There's a way. Is there? There's a thing that exists. Well, how about this? Let's listen to a song, and I will, I will tell you. See, we keep on talking about bad songs, but now we're going to listen to cool songs, because we're here with Electric Dragon, and uh, we're going to listen to this track I dug. This is Witching Hour, which I, I liked a lot as well. My wife's favorite, that one. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, your wife's got good taste. <laughs> and now, here is the Witching Hour, Electric Dragon's wife's favorite song that he's made.
That was the witching hour. Actually, just witching hour. I added a the because that's the kind of guy I am. And we're here with Electric Dragon. The Electric Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Electric the Dragon. <laughs> talking about movie scores and, and horror and uh, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So you can download these. They're called the Star Wars. I think they're called the Harmy Edits. Uh, I think I might have heard of this. Yeah, and he did a good job. I was just thinking the original ones I saw in a cinema. I mean, you're right, that should exist. All right, the fact that it doesn't exist is really annoying. It did exist on DVD up to a certain point and then disappeared. Yeah, so what what he's done is the best approximation of the original cuts. So he's taken the Blu-ray, used as much of the Blu-ray footage as possible, color corrected it so it actually looks more like the original movies because... When they put them out on Blu-ray, they actually change the color temperature of the movie. Because if you remember back, like, the original Star Wars has kind of a slight greenish tint to it mm. because of the film or whatever. Like, that's what it looks like. And, of course, on Blu-ray, they cleaned it up, and so the, the skin tones are much more, like, pink and stuff. But it also, I think they just ran a generic filter over the whole movie. Like, I don't know that they went in scene by scene. So what happens is even, like, the lasers and the and the lightsabers are actually kind of different colors, sort of. Whereas, like, in the original movie, the laser blasts are more sort of ready orange but on the blu-ray they're more sort of pinkish because they basically just like run like a pink filter over everything to make the skin tones look more natural so he's gone in and it's it's the original edit also sourced the audio from the dvd release because every time they released a new version of star wars they would like add and and changed audio stuff as well. Because I remember in the Blu-ray version, then they also dubbed out Boba Fett's voice and replaced it with the guy who played Django Fett, stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the evil guy from, um, oh, what were they called? New Zealand film. Super violent with that guy in it. Once Were Warriors, that was it. So really, there's only like one or two shots in the first movie that are a little kind of weird uh, because there was no like high-definition footage that existed of the original shot without all the dumb special effects. And you know, remember like in A New Hope, like, Mose Eisley, the original version, there's like one kind of puppet camel creature in the background and like, you know, a bunch of dwarves walking around and that was it. And now you've got, for your new special version, you've got Han Solo clipping through a shitty CG Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> I've said this a million times on the show, but it's like, if I was directing that scene, I would have cut away. Like, that part where he walks on his tail, and they're like, this will be funny, he walks on his tail. I'm like, it's not funny, and it looks fucking weird. <laughs> it just looks shit. <laughs> yeah, because he, like, he floats upwards. It's awful. Why don't we make an edit of just all the bad bits, and then just sit and laugh at it? <laughs> <laughs> well, because some of them I found really offensive. <laughs> in the Blu-ray, especially, with um, Vader yelling no, and he, like, tosses the Emperor in the hole. <laughs> it bothers me when my favorite things get changed. You know, like, when I'm watching, like, Mose Eisley with, like, added CGI activity, I'm like, well, you know what? It's not like them pulling up to the bar in the speeder was my favorite shot of the movie. You know, if they want to add more CGI stuff in there, it doesn't really change anything, except that some of the CGI stuff were, like, cartoony jokes. Hey, there's a Jawa falling off a fucking dewback and swinging around, and it's like, ha-ha. <laughs> they just sort of a uh, stop shot of robot dick jokes, really, maybe. I've actually gone from, as I say, being quite obsessed with it as a kid, to now I try and actually avoid it. And when new Star Wars films come out, I think, I think, oh, no, no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> not a true fan, obviously. But I really was as a kid, and then Lucas sort of shot on my childhood by doing all these awful prequels. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the biggest sort of affront has been the newest one. So you're fine. You don't need to. It's fine. It's a fine franchise to avoid. Is that a solo movie? 
No, that was the uh, the the um, the Last Jedi. Oh yes, I did see that. Yeah. I did see that one. It was a uh, a divisive film, and then Disney pulled some really weird PR and allowed all these new sites to like basically just talk about how shitty the fans were because they didn't like the movie, which was cool. Imagine if you if you were Carrie Fisher, right? And the last thing you get to do before you die is float ridiculously through space. <laughs> yeah, with the airlock doors open and everyone's just kind of standing there. It was a, it was a foolish, it was a foolish thing. <laughs> just ridiculous. I mean, I was in hysterics laughing at that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got some enjoyment. I know, like, when I was in the theater, I was just sort of dumbfounded at the weird humor in the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind being just sort of like laugh at dumb films. I'm quite happy to. Sunday afternoon, go and see a dumb movie, you know. I went to see um, Alita Battle Angel last week, and I laughed most of the way through it. I mean, (laughs) I'm pretty sure Rodriguez didn't make a scene where there's a guy with his uh, arms and legs blown off falling through the sky, and there's me laughing like a a dream. I mean, (laughs) my God. It's just, it just looks so stupid. <laughs> you know when things look really badly superimposed on top of other things? Yeah, yeah. And it, immediately it's funny, even though it's supposed to be a sad mum. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of I kind of laughed at most of that. It was just such a ridiculous film. I've never actually come across the, the manga or anything, the original of it at all. I've got a few friends who've read it, and they refused to go watch it. But for me, it was a dumb and silly couple of hours. It did make me laugh. But I've, I've just actually, on a slightly different note, I've just finished reading the Witcher novels, uh, as in the game The Witcher. Yeah, yeah. Geralt The Witcher. I'll, I'll just finish reading those, and... When I think of playing Witcher 3 when I played that, and I'll think, what the fuck was that game about? <laughs> Where <laughs> did they, when did they decide this was this, that was that, he was that? <laughs> it's just, it bears little relation, actually, I think, when you get there. Geralt suffers from that uh, gravelly voice protagonist thing <laughs> that a lot of video games do. Like, I know people love The Witcher. I, I, like, I, I like how dry, Doug Cockle, I just love how dry he is. It's just the, the really dry, deadpan delivery. I absolutely love that. Well, there's a lot of characters who talk like that, and after a while, I stopped taking it seriously. Solid Snake. Because Solid Snake was the first one. So I liked Solid Snake. Like, And then when more characters started to do it... How do so many people take a character with a name like that seriously? <laughs> I think of many things before I think of something cool, really. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm trying to... Uh, what the fuck was the game? It was the Ubisoft game, the, the open with the hacking. Watch Dogs. The first oh, Watch Dogs God, game. that was awful. That yeah. dude's voice was amazing, because he was just this dude with a fucking baseball cap and a trench coat. Even, like, he's, like, visiting his sister or something, just like, you gotta get over here. And I, could just eat. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing at that dude's voice. Yeah. It was like... <laughs> Ubisoft is a company where I know their boardroom meetings are just, you know what would be cool? Uh, if we have a hacker uh, and he's a, he acts the government and uh, uh, he's really cool and he talks like Batman and uh, he has a <laughs> trench coat with a, with a symbol on it. Like that's, I know that's what happens at Ubisoft. They just go like, what's cool? And then they try and follow it up later. Whereas like, you know, I feel like company like a rock star, you know, when they make Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption or something like they really create a world, you know, that the story sort of exists in. They're more interested in doing that, like building the world and then sort of the things that sort of happen within it. And then companies like Ubisoft are more about like what's cool, you know, and I think it's like cool in quotation marks. Like if the like if Ubisoft was big when the Matrix 
Matrix was out, then we'd be seeing a lot more games that were just like, ah, and he has a black coat with a with a black shade, and he uh, jump off a building, and his his coat is like a cape, you know, like that's that. There'd be games of all that shit. I guess the Assassin's Creed games are sort of like that. I guess. <laughs> Uh, did you play Assassin's Creed Odyssey? I mean, the last one I played was two, which I really liked. I liked two a lot. Uh, they, they've actually really turned that around. I mean, what you've got with uh, Odyssey and actually Origins, the Egyptian one before, pretty damn good actually. You got basically an open world RPG with skill trees and arms, mm. but you've got missions like this, and you wouldn't imagine <laughs> them putting stuff like this in a game back in Assassin's Creed 2 or whatever. There's one mission in Assassin's Creed Odyssey where I have to take the package from this guy and I have to sneak through this fort that took me quite a while because I'm shit at stealth games, right? And I just want to just kill everybody, but there you go. I got to the door, I go in, there's the commander. I have to deliver the package. I deliver the package. Commander opens the box and he says, it's just a cast of a guy's dick. (laughs) And I could not believe it. So you go back to the quest giver and he says, yes, I cast it this morning from my own. (laughs) And you think, what the fuck have you just made me do? (laughs) And there's several quests like that in there. There's there's another one. I'm absolutely howling laughing at this one. You come across this really old couple and there's the old woman and she's saying, I need you to gather the ingredients for the love potion. And so you go off, you have to get a a bull's scrotum and (laughs) all this other stuff and you come back with it. I mixed the brew and then there you go she mixes the brew and there's the old man just sort of laid on the floor and he's saying but I don't want to do it and then it gives you the option of fucking the old woman (laughs) 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 you tell me you know what goes on in Ubisoft board meetings think again (laughs) (laughs) oh dear I mean that's that that was quality entertainment (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of quality entertainment man uh, let's listen to another track how about Carrion? We'll listen to Carrion. That's a cool song. Okay. <laughs> You're not sold on this electric dragon stuff? I, I just had my mouth around a can of beer, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is, this is Carrion <laughs> by Electric Dragon.
And that was Carry On by Electric Dragon. And I am here with Electric Dragon right now talking about delivering love potions to old ladies in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> it's those goofy missions that oh, I love, especially when a game takes itself or when the story's relatively serious. Because when I finished uh, playing Red Dead Redemption and they've got a few of those in there, like, you know, you're doing a serious mission and all of a sudden there's just these wacky encounters you have. Yeah. My personal favorite was on the side of the road, like a lot of random events would happen in Red Dead and one of them was just this guy I think he had a French accent and he's like hey can you help uh, uh, I need help uh, you know my, my horse's uh, horseshoe is broke or whatever can you help me and you're like okay and then as you walk towards him, the horse just fucking kicks the guy across the field, and then he's just dead, and, like, that's the end of the mission. And it was so funny, because it, it was really, like, it was really surprising, because it happened so fast, and when the horse kicks the guy, and he just goes flying away, and he's dead, and you're just like, okay, and then you just sort of loot the guy's body and leave, and, like, that's it. And just, the game was full of little things like that, where just little dumb things would happen, and I always love when games just have the quirky humor, because even, like, Metal Gear, you know, you think, like, this game has... Has like this crazy plot line that's so over the top with this weird science fiction conspiracy storyline and then meanwhile you put a box on and like crawl around with walking around in a box <laughs> they go choke some guy while he's taking a piss you're in a cardboard box crawling along so nobody can see you mm, it's just a box open a locker and there's a picture of a chick in there and the guy stood there going Absolutely ridiculous. Sending a sheep up on a fucking balloon or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, because I never, I never played the last one. I got halfway through it and I started to get a bit bored, I have to say. I was kept doing enemy bases and it was very much the same grind. But when he did get to the meat of it, it was really good. When he gets to the mecha, giant mechas and some of the creepier enemies, it's, it is good. Yeah. I am wondering... If Kojima's new game is going to make any sense to anybody except him. I think it seems to be like uh, the Domino's pizza guy loses his motorcycle and decides to wade through a river um, <laughs> and is controlled by a fetus or something. I don't actually know what that's about. Yeah, my, <laughs> my concern for that game is, of everything I've seen, because we're talking about Death Stranding... I don't know what the game is. No, that's the problem. What is it? Tell us what it is. It doesn't matter, Andy. It's a Hideo Kojima game. <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> I've said this a million times, but this is what I love about Nintendo. I will say this about Nintendo. When they put on a press conference, or they do those these Nintendo Directs now, you know, where they talk about games that are coming up, yeah, yeah. they literally just talk about the game in such childish and simple terms, but then you totally know what it is. You'll see a trailer for, you know, like a new Call of Duty. I mean, obviously it's Call of Duty, so you know exactly what it's going to be but you know like the bullet points are always new fucking 4k resolution rendering makes fucking frame rate blah 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 and they they tout all this garbage like statistics and stuff yeah tiresome isn't it it's like it's gonna be fun and when you look at death stranding it's like and now a 12 minute preview and you're just watching fucking mads mickelson like floating around crying blood or some i don't know and then like some oil and a fetus and a fucking backpack and it's like and then you watch a nintendo direct and they're like in this game Yoshi is made of wool. You press A to make Yoshi jump. When Yoshi jumps over here and you press B, he will stick out his tongue. And they, they literally, like, explain to you what the gameplay of the game is. And in some ways, it seems so silly. And then you can turn on your rabbit suit. And in the rabbit suit, you can jump high. But then you're just like, oh, yeah, I totally get what this game is, man. I'm going to be putting on a rabbit suit. I'm going to be jumping. Like, that's cool. I think the thing is to talk about those for any longer than 30 seconds. You've kind of said it all, really, anyway. Because I don't think really... Yeah. You expect that sort of 
talking about depth and things like that. I bought a Switch just basically so I could play Dark Souls on the move. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And also, I can play Skyrim in bed, which is probably the coziest thing ever. Yeah, Skyrim is my top five, in my top five comfort games. I I almost do it like every three or four months. I'll turn on Skyrim for an afternoon. Um, I'm exactly the same, yeah. I like that there's sort of a spreadsheet aspect to like once you've played it enough and you understand the workings where you just turn it on, say, okay, I'll do a mission. Press X, puts a dot on your map, you teleport to the dot, you fucking talk to some person, kill a thing, collect the item, and it, it sort of guides you where to go, you know, you teleport, you do all this. And so you can sort of rejoin the game. Yeah, every few months, I'll just put it on, I sit down, I relax, I play for like an hour and be like, all right, good, that was a good time. And I always enjoy it. I like the atmosphere, but I just, I don't know, man. I just, there's part of me that goes like, I'm not going to buy this game again, am I? <laughs> like, I just, because I already, like the PS4 one's going to look better like on the TV than the Switch one will, so. It does, yeah, it does. Yeah, so that's, but, yeah. you know, if you want to play Skyrim on the handheld in bed, then that's, Thing, yeah, you know. <laughs> that is a thing. I tend to just sort of uh, like you put it on every few months or whatever, and particularly middle of winter or something like that. Bottle of red wine, <laughs> winter, yes, red wine, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you make his go mad. No, what was that? What was that cat? There's a cat wizard guy. Fuck, that's Jazargo. Jazargo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That was his fucking name. He was my partner for a while. I, cause I remember. Yeah, me too. I killed him by accident actually once, and I was really upset. Like really upset to the point where I spent an awful long time trying to find him. And I thought he's in that dungeon somewhere, just dead with flies on him and shit. You know? <laughs> I I think I was talking to uh, Computer Magic because she, she was playing Skyrim for the first time, and I was thinking about the companions because I never really cared for any of the companions, and I solely have them with me as a backpack. They, they become an accessory where you can like stuff them with items. So like every time I'd have all this heavy shit, I just give it to them. I am sworn to carry your burden. Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) I'm sworn to carry your burdens. I use them as a backpack, and then when they would fucking die... You're like, ah, oh, god damn it. Like, I gotta go back to my house and get a fucking carrying potion and come back to your stupid corpse and fucking collect all my shit. It's terribly selfish. That <laughs> <laughs> poor person. Because <laughs> I loved Oblivion before it, and but that thing that always pissed me off, which I'm glad they sort of got rid of, was whenever you would talk to anybody in Oblivion, the camera would, like, zoom in on their face. Oh, and again, every time, I would laugh at that. I actually played Skyrim, and then I didn't have a console previous to that so I bought Oblivion and played it after Skyrim okay the the way it zooms into those freaky kind of uncanny valley kind of oh everyone's face (laughs) fucking the faces are just sort of nightmare oh they're terrible and they'll just stare and I love when the the character has emotion in the line delivery but they're just like they're just staring at you like what are you doing here fancy pants (laughs) it's a face full of Botox yeah (laughs) yeah no everyone looks weird like you cannot make a normal looking character in Oblivion it doesn't matter how hard you try. You end up with just the weirdest freak. I remember towards the end of that, towards the end of uh, Oblivion, there's a big crowd of people cheering uh, Martin Septimon. It's about, it sounds like there's about two, maybe three voice actors in a room going, Martin, Martin, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nobody sounds excited at all. It's, it's, like it's the worst cheering on I've ever heard in my life. You're... You're going and arranging all of these armies to go fight that dragon at the end, and then the final battle, there's like eight people. 
<laughs> but they're like they're treating it as though it's an epic battle with like all these armies. <laughs> they just sound really bored as well. Uh, yeah, everyone. <laughs> Martin, Martin. <laughs> That's just so funny. Yeah, there's four voice actors, I think, in Oblivion. And yeah, because, like, Sean Bean is Martin, but, like, he doesn't really give a very, like, energetic performance, as I recall. It's been a while since I heard him talk, but it's a lot of, like, we must find Uriel Septim, come to Wayne on Priory, you know, like, he just talks like that the whole time. But I still, I played Oblivion first. Oblivion was my first Elder Scrolls game, so it blew my mind. Like, when I played it, like, I was like, what? Like, this is the game I've always wanted to exist. Like, a big open-world RPG where it's first person, you fucking do the fighting yourself, like, it's not uh, turn-based, and I, I, I loved it so much, but but after having played Skyrim, even though I like the world of Oblivion and I like how colorful it was and stuff, it's hard to go back because I really liked the interface on Skyrim better and I like the two hand system better and there's lots of little subtle improvements. Indeed. Hello. <laughs> really. You see, well, I'll tell you, you know, because I missed, I missed kind of more than 10 years of gaming after I got uh, Nemesis Resi 3 on the PS1. My PS1 died. That was the end of that. I ended up buying a PS3 kind of uh, 2012, it would be. Got Skyrim. My wife said, oh, God, what have you bought there? What is that? A PlayStation. Oh. (laughs) I thought, oh, right, it's going to be like that, is it? But I put Skyrim in, installed it, and she sat sort of agape looking at it like, wow. Mm -hmm. And I I can't get the thing off her. She's just (laughs) hooked on Skyrim. (laughs) We must have been playing that for six months. It turned my wife into a game from really not a gamer and then uh, I asked a few of my friends what do I play now after that one of them said Oblivion it looks a bit old now but Dark Souls play Dark Souls and I think three of my friends told me to get that and I started playing the damn thing and I was like what and I think it confounds a lot of people when they first play it but I've ended up obsessed with it I've got tattoos of it I've got like half of one of my arms covered in Dark Souls characters everyone who once they get into Dark Souls everyone seems to like it's their favourite thing like I know a lot of people like that it's like like for combat it becomes a standard you know the combat it really does become a standard because combat in other games feels really blurry wishy-washy kind of non-committal in a way it feels like you're swinging something around and not hitting something but it's kind of really it's got a really weighty kind of feel to it I think that's what people think about it well maybe one of these days I'll give it a shot maybe you will you are a fade yes traveller Well, how about this? Let's listen to this track. It's it's called Black Knight, because that's cool. Black Knights are cool. And uh, we're going to listen to it, man. This is Black Knight by Electric Dragon.
was Black Knight by Electric Dragon, and I'm here with Electric Dragon right now, talking about video games. A lot of video game talk today. So, what's your favorite? You want to you want to give me like a top ten? Can you do it? A top ten? That's difficult. Of well, all time, maybe not in order. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Souls, two Dark Souls, three... No, no, no. Seriously, uh, Dark Souls, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, the original Resident Evil 1. It depends which era you're talking about, I guess, really. Did you ever play a game on the SNES called Axley? No. It's a shoot 'em up and it goes sort of uh, one horizontally scrolling level and then a 3D, mode 7 3D level and then backwards and forwards. Contra 3 on the SNES... Or the Alien Wars. That's my favorite intro. I love oh, it's amazing. Fucking, the Alien Wars begin. Fucking the big letters. <laughs> and then <laughs> then shows the guy, let's attack aggressively. <laughs> let's attack aggressively. Yeah. Let's let's attack gently. Yeah. <laughs> I just <Yeah>. love aggressively. <laughs> just go and give him a little tap and tell him to stop it, you know. Thunder Force 3, that was a, a big one for me, or Thunder Force series. Castlevania 4 on the SNES. Castlevania, Castlevania, Dark Souls, Castlevania, Dark Souls, Resident Evil, Castlevania, Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shitloads of uh, Sega Saturn shoot 'em ups, because I've got a cupboard full of them. I'm probably sat on a gold mine. <laughs> Absolutely love them. Radiant Silver Gun. How do you feel about people calling them shmups? Uh, well, it's an abbreviation. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't say it myself. I don't like it at I, all. I just say I just say shooters. Yeah, I never really. That's a genre that I'm not really too big into. I think I liked R type. Yeah, I think the new ones. Whenever I see new ones to make that genre interesting in now a time now 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 a times god damn it now a times it's lot it's not easy for to make them interesting I don't think really there are there are that many good ones but I think if you go to the Saturn era and the Mega Drive I think they're a little too crazy visually now like whenever there's a new shoot 'em up it's like the whole thing is like well we'll just throw like lasers are flying all over the place and like there's so many things on the I screen think that's and down to sort of all the cave shooters you know all the bullet hell or down Maku stuff where it's just a screen full of bullets. Yeah, I don't like those. I don't like bullet hell games at all, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eyes are made the way they are, you know, so that blinking is actually something you have to do. Well, there are. There must be. There must be people who make uh, these Dan Maku shooters who have never blinked in their life, or people who can actually play them through to the end without <laughs> without dying. You must never blink ever. Yeah. You will never blink. Your eyes just dry up and just. I don't know what. I enjoy them for like half an hour, and then I just have to turn it off. I can't do it. When I watch too much TV, though, there are times where like I'll get red eyes if there was something that I was excited about, and I just watched it for like five hours straight, and then I would look at myself in the mirror, and my eyes would be fucking red. That's not because you were baked or anything. No. No, actually. I remember the first time it happened, my dad came home, well, this was before the internet or whatever, and he'd always get me, because uh, I love Doctor Who, so he'd get me like a Doctor Who tape. One time it was this one where it was like a whole season box set on VHS because it was a short season. I just watched the whole thing in one go. And then it was like early morning. I watched it all night and my eyes were just fucking bloodshot and uh, no weed around, man. <laughs> I, was, I was a good boy then. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> then I started listening to the Electric Dragon and I got into the Satan. Oh, yes. Satan. <laughs> I find it really quite funny. Um, a lot of the 
satanic dark synth stuff I just it just makes me laugh to be honest I mean it's not the music it's not ever the music it's just people stick the image on it like it's um, and they're all people like me who used to be in metal bands and you think okay but to me having been in a metal band I want to get away from that yeah it's more about fantasy fantasy art high fantasy dark fantasy and horror for me not about trying to be a badass by saying you know I'm a satanist or some shit <laughs> I mean I, th- I don't think anyone really is going to respect you for doing it I just don't really get it wait are you trying to tell me that you are not trying to conjure the forces of hell not actively hmm. no. this is disappointing <laughs> I was really hoping that uh, when we talked by the end of it you would have like divulged some sort of secret code and then we listen to the show backwards <laughs> unfortunately not no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a guy who's read a lot of Lovecraft and watched a lot of horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) It's poisoned my mind, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to bring about some sort of uh, Urotsuki Doji um, (laughs) tentacle dick Armageddon or anything, you know. (laughs) It's entertainment, (laughs) which we all know. Well... The bottom line is this. We can probably wind this down, but you make uh, cool music. I dig the sound of it. Thank you very much. And uh, we like playing it on the show and uh, keep on making cool tunes. Oh, there is one thing. Yeah. I was told by a reliable source that you suck at Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is something you should know. An Australian is never a reliable source for anything. <laughs> They're not reliable people, all right? They live in this island out of the middle of no place. You can't trust them. I wouldn't trust them. I don't trust them. That's fair. It doesn't even matter if they've moved to the States and become American citizens, in quotes. (laughs) Sorry, it had to be done. It had to be done. We're going to find out the truth, man, because Outland uh, Festival is in Toronto, and uh, a bunch of artists are playing, and I think Marco might actually, he might be able to make it to the city, and if he does, then we'll, uh, we'll find out once and for all who sucks. (laughs) Get over here (laughs) Is there a song we didn't play that you want to play Is there something that you like Why didn't you play this one you fucking bastard (laughs) I don't know why I gave you that accent That's interesting what was that was that an Irish accent Yeah I guess maybe I'll go into that whole uh, Was was that Liam Neeson thing When he was like (laughs) So I went to the alleys Looking for synth waivers (laughs) With a kosh and, uh, what, what did, something like that. I forget. I mean, he wasn't looking for synth waivers, but <laughs> so these synth waivers, they message you on Facebook to be your friend, and then they spam you with their Facebook links and their band camps. And I was so angered by this that I went to the part of the city where the synth waivers hang out, hoping that one of them would have a go at me, and I had a kosh. And uh, anyway, that's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was going well. (laughs) Is it okay to make fun of that? I think it is. I think it absolutely is. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man, is there... <laughs> that is dumb. Is there a song that uh, you want to play that you're like, hey, let's end this on something that I really like that I did? Something I like that I did. Yeah. Crazy. How about The Maiden? The Maiden? If it's not so much to ask, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll take out my kosh. <laughs> well, I- <laughs> Well, let's listen to this, man. This is The Maiden by Electric Dragon, and I've been a-talking. I've been a-talking to Electric Dragon. And, uh, yeah, man. Well, it's good to chat with you, and you have a lovely day. Thanks for looking after me, man. Do you have any, uh, any parting words? <sighs> 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Other than, thank you very much, Andy. Guess we'll speak again soon. All right, and here is The Maiden by Electric Dragon. All right, cheers, dude. Beware, heedless one, the witch of the water, the ogress of the unfathomed abyss, as her wild waves lash the rocks, she watches from the deep. In the nightmare hollows of the sea, hungry for souls, and luring with her bewitching song, she pulls you under, stealing your every breath. Your soul trapped, forever to dream in blackest dark.
right, and that was my conversation with Electric Dragon. That was fun. When I was editing the show later, I messaged him and told him that he sounds like Sean Bean. Which is really funny because I forgot we actually talked about Sean Bean during the show. Because I watched this, uh, you know, those things where movie stars answer Google's most asked questions. And so I had just watched that video and then when I started editing this conversation, I was like, hey, this guy sounds like Sean Bean. <laughs> anyway, uh, look... I hope you guys have a lovely week. Uh, Tune in on Friday for the Beyond Synth High Five. This week will be uh, Marco's Picks. And if you are in the Toronto area, don't forget to, uh, if you want something to do, you can go to Dundas Video on Wednesday night for Radio Wolf doing his DJ set. I'll be hanging out there with some people. And then on Friday, the Mecha Mako Honey Beard and Love Wizard show. Love Wizard or Love Wizards? Love Wizard. Love Wizard. Uh, yeah, anyway, so that's uh, this Friday, May 3rd, at the Hard Luck Bar. If you have Facebook, you can uh, check out the event on there. And, uh, yeah, until uh, until Friday, you guys have a lovely few days, and I hope everything works out well for you. Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth and supporting the show. Don't forget, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth if you want to support the show. If you don't like Patreon, you can go to beyondsynth.com, and just there's uh, different donate options, and there's a PayPal option as well, if that's uh, something that you want to do. Or not. I don't care. I secretly do. And I hope you guys have a lovely day. I love you all. Have a lovely week. And tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.